Hello. Thanks for listening to our Fusion Sermon Podcast. Fusion is a worshiping community within Hardawike Ministries. We gather at 1030 a.m. in the Red Brick Church Building on the Hardawike campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Fusion community and Hardawike Ministries, please visit hardawike.com. We are talking about joy this morning, and uh, I thought it would be fitting uh, as we kind of jump into joy to tell a few dad jokes. I'm trying to gauge the response. Okay. Just bear with me. All right. Okay. Here, here, here's, here's a couple dad jokes because I just love a good dad joke. Uh, if, you, if you know the answer, this one you might know. You can chime in. Why, why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? Does anyone know? In case they get a hole in one. Hey, there we go. I gave you a, you know, a softball pitch. Okay, second one. Singing in the shower is fun until you get soap in your mouth. Then it's a soap opera. I don't know. Okay, okay, let's move on. What, what do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? They're both Paris sites. I've got, I've got equal number of chuckles and groans. That's good. We're, we're right on track. And then here's the final one. Why do seagulls fly over the ocean? Because if they flew over the bay, they would call, be called bagels. Okay. I apologize for that. We're jumping in this morning. Advent series, we are in a series called The Christmas Story, where we've been working our way through Luke's account of the events leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, Each week we've been considering what these events from the Gospel of Luke have to teach us, really focusing on the four traditional uh, themes of Advent, hope and peace and joy and then love next week. So just to kind of catch up, because we got some guests here, uh, two weeks ago we, we entered into Luke's account of these events leading up to the birth of Christ, and we remembered the angel Gabriel visiting a priest by the name of Zechariah. And Gabriel would tell Zechariah that his wife would become pregnant. Now they were old, well past childbearing years, never had that gift of having a child, and so, but Zechariah receives this incredible word of hope. And we remembered how, how that word of hope led, leads to waiting. Last week, we, we, we considered then that same angel, Gabriel, visits Mary, and she's told that she's going to conceive and give birth to a son. And his name would be Jesus, and he'd be the Son of God, the Messiah, right? And, and we were amazed last week by her response uh, of, of peace. She had this incredible peace in hearing this news that would totally rock her world and like change her life forever. And it was through this gift of faith, right? Well, this week we we look at joy and we're gonna continue the story after Mary received this word from the angel Gabriel. Uh, And Luke's account continues, right? Mary receives this word. She she hurries off to visit her relative Elizabeth. Gabriel's also shared with her that Elizabeth is pregnant. So she hurries off to visit with Elizabeth. And that is where we pick up our story. And uh, among other things, this account uh, gives uh, of an ever, tells a, a testimony of ever deepening joy. And so listen for the joy in the text as we read together. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it. Turn with me to Luke chapter one, verses 39 and following. If you're willing and able, I invite you to stand as we honor God as God speaks to us this morning. In Luke one, starting at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. 
When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she, Elizabeth, exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you once again for your word. Lord, words that have been preserved by your Holy Spirit. Words that we receive and we hear by the inspiration of your Spirit. And so, Lord, as we remember this, the Christmas story, Lord, may you stir in our hearts an imagination of, of how these words apply profoundly and truthfully to our lives. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we're talking about joy, and honestly, I, I don't know, I mean, I, we couldn't have planned that better, right, to have our kids singing this incredible, that's not a, a, that's not a picture from four minutes ago, right? Uh, that was from the last time they sang, but what, what a picture of our kids able to, to share this blessing of, of joy. And, and I think really what better example of joy do we have than in our children, because I don't know about you, but like children just notice like they, they both can harness as well as produce joy and laughter that so often kind of seems to elude adults, right? Amen? Our, our kids, multiple, multiple times a day, I, I, here's, yeah, there's a couple pictures of our kiddos. Uh, multiple times a day, I, can, I, I will hear just these deep belly laughs coming from my kids. And then I go to investigate like, wow, this must be hilarious. I go to investigate what they're laughing at. It's like, quite frankly... It's not all that funny, right? But they can just harness this, this deep joy and laughter from just the simplest of things. Or other times we're in our house and, and, and they'll do something or they'll say something that just, just cracks us up. Uh, this past weekend I was, I was returning home and I opening the garage and as I opened the garage, pulling into the garage, there's Bryson standing in the doorway into the house and he's just looking at me and he just starts dancing, you know? And he's doing the floss, I, I won't, okay, yeah, the floss, however you do that. He's doing this other thing like this. And then he, he kind of like dug into the old school bag of tricks and he starts going. And I'm like, what? Where does he get this stuff, right? Anyways, I was just reflecting about the joy and the laughter that our kids bring into our lives. I was just reflecting as, as, as an adult, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but sometimes I find myself 
a little envious. Anyone else? A little envious of, of kids' ability to harness joy, kids' ability uh, to just find things, to find laughter in some of the simplest things. And I just think to myself, man, I wish that I could laugh that much at such easily inaccessible sources, like just being silly or, or making up words or watching some video, or, or I just wish that when my song came on, I would just feel that kind of reckless abandon and just start dancing. But I can't, and you're grateful that I can't do that because you don't want to see that, right? But I was just thinking about that difference. We, we, we grow up and we become adults, and, and many of us don't, don't feel the same kind of freedom to live into this kind of joy. Or we've experienced life, and life has taught us hard lessons. And so it's even just hard to get to a point of joy or laughter because we've experienced life and we've realized that life is a lot of serious things. In fact, I, I, I don't know about you, but, but also like growing up, like this is kind of more of a sidebar, but church was kind of a serious place, right? And kids were to be quiet and obedient in church. And I don't know about you, but again, sidebar, but I just, I love that we enter this space and our kids know that they belong and there's a buzz in the air, and when they're dancing and jumping off the, 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 the stands here, and, and they're, they're saying, the Lord, be, and also with you, like, I just, I love that our kids have a home here, amen? It's a beautiful thing, it's a beautiful thing. Here's our plan this morning. Here's the plan, the hope, is to continue our journey through the Christmas story. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna try to, I wanna look at Mary and Elizabeth's encounter, this visit, and see what they might be able to teach us about finding joy. And as I was studying the passage this, this, this week, uh, there was a progression in the account, in uh, the story, a progression of encounter to encouragement to expression. That's gonna be kind of our roadmap this morning. Let's begin with this encounter. And as you'll notice with this, this progression is there's an ever, there's a deepening and there's a more, there, there's a deepening uh, sense of joy that grows more certain as the visit continues. And so let's look at this encounter. Our story begins with Mary, who's just been told uh, this impossible news, right? Many of us are familiar, right? She's, she's a virgin, and this angel tells her that she's going to conceive and give birth to the Messiah. Mary, Mary gets ready <clears throat> and hurries off to visit her relative, Elizabeth, who she's also been told is also pregnant. And we're told that Elizabeth lives in the hill country of Judea. A little context. Mary's in Nazareth, which is uh, north near Galilee. Ju the, the hill country of Judea is more south, kind of just outside of Jerusalem, which just makes sense because Zechariah is a priest who serves in Jerusalem. Uh, if you were to map that out from Nazareth to the hill country of Judea, it's about an 80 to 90 mile journey. And this is a journey she's going to be making on foot, right? There's no planes, there's no trains, there's no automobiles, little Christmas movie reference, right? She is going to be journeying on foot. And so she has three to four days of, of just walking and journeying to visit Elizabeth. And, and we can only imagine what's racing through her mind. She's just heard this incredible news. Is, is she processing the information she's just received? Is Mary, Mary fearful about what it might mean for her and for Joseph? Is she anxious? Maybe she's excited to go visit Elizabeth and tell her this news that she's received. Maybe it's some combination of all of these. We don't really know. But what we do know is that she shows up to the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth, likely unannounced, right? There's no phoning ahead. And we read this in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
That's just a beautiful one verse that tells us of this holy, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and joy-filled moment, right? What's clear is that this is a holy and joy-filled encounter and moment. There's two women who are related. Likely, they haven't seen each other in quite some time. They, they live three to four days journey apart. Uh, but both of these women are, are pregnant, one months along, the other only days along, um, whose lives from this moment will forever be intertwined in, in history, in Christian history in particular. And they greet one another. And, and what do we read? That the immediate response is this, res- this spontaneous uh, s- response of joy. Right, joy wells up within Elizabeth. Joy literally leaps, right, jumps up in Elizabeth's womb as the child that she carries, John the Baptist, offers his first prophecy of the coming Messiah in undeniable fashion. The word here used in the Greek is not some kind of flutter that you're like, was that a kick? No, it, the word means to leap or to jump, and it's always associated with, with a kind of joy. That's what we're talking about here. There is this joy-filled response that's kind of spontaneous in this encounter, in this moment. As I was thinking about that, isn't that how we often experience joy in this life? So often we experience joy as a response to a moment. And because there's this power of a moment to bring joy, this is the most common and basic form of joy we experience in this life. There are the moments, these are the moments we pursue. These are the moments we cherish. We try to preserve in our memory and in our photo library, right? I saw, you know, the kids are singing and we're trying to capture that moment on our phone and and preserve this moment and preserve these memories. It's what we experienced just a few moments ago when the kids are singing and dancing here in the service. It's the same moments that we try to capture on Christmas morning when when young children are opening these gifts and the younger the better because there's this joy that just begins to burst forth when they get that gift that they were longing for, right? It's a beautiful moment. There's other moments that we cherish. Thinking about just simple things like gathering around a table with friends around for a meal or kids belly laughing on vacation. It's these these moments that we cherish that bring us this deep, filled joy. Or think about this, there's those milestone moments, right, that that change life, like like going to a wedding and experiencing joy at a wedding or the birth of a child. I remember when Emmeline was born, there was all kinds of emotions, right? Um, A big one was just relief, like she finally came, right? But there was just this emotion of joy that just spilled out and Yvonne and I are just crying with joy and happiness because we had a baby girl, right? Not only are these the big moments, but there's even just the trivial moments, right? Like when your sports team gets that win, right? Michigan, there we go. I'm not gonna say that other team. Every time I mention the other team, they lose. So we're just not gonna mention the other team. Or how about this, the other moments we cherish when your pastor tells an amazing dad joke. You're like, we gotta document that. We gotta, we gotta preserve that memory. Just kidding. There's something beautiful about moments. There's something beautiful about experiences. There's something beautiful about encounters that cause joy to well up spontaneously within our being, our hearts and our souls, and it's good. And we cherish those things, and that's good. And yet... I think we'd all agree that there's, there's deeper sources of joy in this life than just moments. Mary and Elizabeth, uh, there's this moment that leads to joy that increases between these women because something happens after the moment 
There's this word of blessing. Let's continue in our story. Luke's account continues after this moment of joy-filled greeting. Elizabeth shouts, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Certainly the moment of seeing a relative brings joy. You know, I, I even remember like visiting my cousins, my, my farm my dad grew up on, my, my cousins lived there, and five hour drive from our home in Milwaukee. And I remember like pulling up uh, the driveway and I couldn't wipe the smile off my face because I was just so excited to see my cousins. There's joy in a moment, but there's something about words. Specifically, there's something about words of blessing and encouragement that fill us with a certain level of joy. Elizabeth speaks powerful words of blessing and encouragement into the life of Mary. Notice what she says. She speaks truth. She speaks truth. She says that this child that Mary carries is indeed a blessing from God, right? She shares then of her experience that this child in Mary's or Elizabeth's womb, John, leapt for joy when she heard Mary's greeting, confirming, these words confirmed all that the angel had told Mary just days prior. And then she speaks this word of future encouragement that, that blessing comes when we believe and trust that God will fulfill his promises to us. These are powerful, powerful words of blessing. And friends, I don't know, my guess is each of us have experienced this in a variety of ways, the power of spoken words of blessing that bring joy. I remember being, a, being just an elementary uh, student, and I don't remember the exact details, but there was this moment, or maybe a couple moments, where, where a teacher spoke a word of blessing and said, like, you're smart, like, you can, you can do this. You have gifts and you have talents and, and, and those will be used for, for good things and that produce this joy and, and belief that, that I, I could excel in school. Or as, as a high school student in youth group and a, and a youth pastor pulled me aside and said, I see leadership potential in you, Jay Barrett. Jay Barrett is what JB stands for. I see leadership potential, potential and, and, and put me on a leadership team so I could, so I could lead and that produce this joy and blessing and empowering words. Or, or, or I think about the times I've received a card or an email from many of you just offering a word of encouragement. And, and it's this, this word of joy and encouragement in this call that God has placed in my life as a pastor, as a shepherd. It's powerful. There's, there's a joy that comes from something that's deeper and longer lasting than, than simply a moment that produces a spontaneous reaction of joy, words of blessing and encouragement. Here's the invitation. Remember a time when you've heard a word, such words, a word of blessing. Take a moment. Remember when someone took time to share words that brought joy within your heart. Or maybe take a moment to, to, to consider a time when, when you were the one offering a word of blessing and encouragement. Recall those moments in, in this, this, this Christmas season. We think about giving gifts, like give gifts, like that's great, that's wonderful. But maybe one of the gifts that we can give to one another is a word of blessing, a word of encouragement, so that joy might continue to overflow in our community. 
Well, Mary does receive this, 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 this gift of a word of blessing on her visit with Elizabeth. And, and her response is our next movement, right? She offers this expression, this joy-filled expression of worship. She just bursts out into song. We don't know for sure if she sang, but it's, it's listed as Mary's song. She just starts worshiping, and we have the words that, that Mary uttered. Mary's song are some of, the, some of Scripture's most beautiful and powerful words referred to as the, the Magnificat based on the Latin of those opening words, which in our text, my soul glorifies the Lord, but the word is really magnifies, uh, to enlarge, right? My soul magnifies the, word, the, the Lord. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about these words. He says, the Magnificat is the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary hymn ever sung. I love that. These opening words set the tone for her worship. How does Mary begin? She says, my soul and my spirit. In other words, my entire being is turned toward the Lord to magnify, literally to enlarge and to make great and to rejoice. The word there, to rejoice, uh, is, is a word that literally means to exalt, uh, to celebrate. In, in that word is embedded this idea of jump, jumping and leaping for joy. It's all contained in that word. Isn't that fitting? That this word rejoice means to, to leap and to jump for joy. What causes such a response? What causes such an expression? Certainly it's not Elizabeth's words alone, but to where those words of blessing directed Mary's attention to the Lord God Almighty. Notice she recounts what God has done in her life personally and beyond. We're just gonna briefly walk through this. Uh, first of all, personally, her joy comes from great things, Right, mercy and blessing and the almighty and holy God has shown to someone, right? My soul glorifies, my spirit rejoices. This is a personal blessing that God would be mindful of some, someone in such humble state. Like in Mary's mind, she's, she's a young virgin girl from, from Nazareth. She's a nobody. And yet Mary's song reminds us that we worship a God who cares about the nobody. That God is mindful of each and every one of us. That, that brings us so much joy, friends. That God cares about you. He's mindful of all of us. And then, and then this word uh, regarding beyond, the, 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 the world, using, borrowing some prophetic language. What you'll notice is in the Magnificat, there's, there's all this language that's borrowed from the prophets. But in that time, the people were, were saturated in the scriptures. They were memorizing the scriptures. So for Mary to glean from other passages in the Old Testament would make total sense. And we have this prophetic language uh, from the Hebrew scriptures. She speaks of the Lord's great reversal, where the proud are scattered, kings and rulers are brought low, down, the rich are sent away empty, while the hungry are filled and the humble lifted up. This is a prophetic word, and the tense there uh, captures past, present, future, past the words of the prophets, present Mary's experience, right? As one who God is showing favor and grace towards someone of humble estate, and to the future, that this kingdom that would come where Jesus uh, would bring life and restoration and redemption. For us, it's a powerful reminder of the importance, the power of worship because of how worship grounds us of where our true joy is found. Not in a moment, not simply in words of encouragement. Those things produce joy, yes, but worship points us to a source that's far deeper and truer. 
See, friends, true and lasting joy can only be found in what is true and lasting, and that's the Lord. There's something about worship that draws us in. There's something about music that stirs in heart and soul that draws us up into the heavenly realms. I can't tell you, there's, there's, been, there's, been, there's been many times in this space where our, our worship team will be leading us in a song and, and the words and the melodies and the harmonies and the instruments, but the, just makes the words, particularly for me, it's, it's when we sing a song that, that captures the gospel. And I find myself getting just choked up and I can't even quite get the words out because of the good news of Jesus Christ is sinking deep. In fact, after the, the sermon, we're gonna sing one of those songs for me. But it's not just in, in those, these moments in worship, but it's in moments like this morning when our kids are praising God with voice, but also with their whole bodies and dancing. And sometimes you can catch some of our little ones lifting their hands or, or just praising God. And it's a beautiful thing. Or I think of another time when I was a youth pastor. It's one of the last services of the church I was serving. Uh, it was a tough season. But there was this moment during the worship service where we were singing Amazing Grace, right? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. One of these songs that just spans generations and demographics, right? And all of a sudden, spontaneously, the worship team just kind of cut out, stepped away from microphones. And for the first time in my time there, the people's voices kind of drowned out the worship team. It was this beautiful, transcendent moment of God's grace breaking in. Or think about the sacraments, baptism, communion, which help us experience the goodness of God, not just uh, with ideas and words, but with our, all of our senses, right? Worship directs our hearts to the source of our joy, a deep well of joy that's deeper and more meaningful and more lasting than simply a moment or simply words of encouragement. In fact, I love how Father James Martin states it in his book, Between Heaven and Mirth, he writes this. He says, joy is not simply a fleeting feeling or an evanescent emotion. It is a deep-seated result of one's connection to God. Although the more secular definition of joy may sometimes describe one's emotional response to an object or event, we talked about that, right? Religious joy is always about a relationship. Joy has an object, and that object is God. So beautifully stated. Joy is more than a response to a moment or encouraging words or even a response to like a well-crafted worship experience or worship song. At its core, true joy is about relationship. Relationship, yes, with the living God who longs to be in relationship with us. But there's one last thing that I think our text tells us. It's about the relationships that we have, even in this room. Following Mary's song, this beautiful expression of worship, we're told this in verse 56. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Mary stayed. Elizabeth. In this one verse, it's just another subtle reminder that joy is exponentially multiplied when we share it with others. 
Have you experienced that? When, when your team wins a championship, when, let me just, when Michigan wins the national championship, <laughs> let's just speak that into, there's something about experiencing that with others, right? You can watch a game all by yourself in your house, and that's great, it's, it's fun, but isn't it better to watch with a group? I mean, as long as you're winning, of course, right? Or to be in the stadium with, with the whole crowd. Like there's something about joy that, that becomes exponentially multiplied when we're with other people. Or think about this, when, when, when you get good news, right? He popped the question, right? Or you, that long-awaited pregnancy. Or, or you got that promotion. Or you, you, you got into that school that you've been longing to get into. What do you want to do? You want to call your friends. You want to call your family. And you want to celebrate because there's something about celebrating and experiencing joy together that is exponentially multiplied in our lives. We know it's better and it's easier to laugh when we're with other people. I was just thinking about um, watching a movie. If you ever watch some of your like, favorite comedies or comedy specials, like, it's cool to watch by yourself, but isn't it so much better when you're with a certain group of people and you have that one person who has that obnoxious laugh, but it's so contagious, right? Ah! There's something beautiful about being together in community. And guess what? That's also true about worship. It's also true about worship. Certainly, we can, we can worship the Lord at any time and in any place, absolutely, without a doubt. We can, we can experience the joy of our salvation. That's the beauty of our God. He will meet us at any moment as we open ourselves up to him. And there's something about worshiping the Lord and joining together in community. Martin Luther, the great reformer, spoke about this once when he said these words. He says, at home in my house, now, he didn't have live streams and some of the tools we had, but at home in my house, there's no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. There's something there. I wonder if, do, do, we, do we come to church on a Sunday morning with that kind of expectation? Do, do we come expecting to experience God, not only through what's happening on stage, but what, what happens after, before, in the relationships that God has blessed us with, the people that God has called us to do life together? Do we come with that kind of expectation? I, I hope so. I hope so. See, friends, maybe, maybe you, like me, uh, have in the past fallen into the, the, the false thinking that church is only for serious things and should be approached with stoic reverence and seriousness. On the contrary, I think uh, church should be the place with the greatest joy because we have the greatest reason for our joy. Or maybe we look at our kids, we look at our children, we find ourselves experiencing a little bit of envy, envious of their innocence and their freedom to experience joy at the simplest moments and occasions. And, and there's something beautiful about our children and their ability to laugh about the simplest, silliest things. And we should bless them in that. And as I was reflecting this week, do we realize that as we mature, as, as we learn what God's word teaches us about the good news of Jesus, 
as we embrace that, this truth that God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, do you realize he loved you so much, each and every one of us, so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to step into our brokenness. No matter what we're facing, God sent his son, Jesus, to step into the brokenness of this world for the singular purpose of dying on a cross so that we might have life, for the singular purpose of ensuring that we would have life with him for all eternity. And, and as grown-ups, as we mature in that, as we, we should have a better sense of where our true joy comes from, an understanding of what God has done. It is a deep well that we can draw from even when, when the moments of joy are lacking. And certainly we all experience seasons where those moments seem few and far between. Even when words of encouragement are absent, no one's encouraging us, there's still this deep well that we can draw from that brings us great joy. Is it easy? Is it as simple as me just saying, we just, no, it's hard, but it's there. My prayer is that, that we, would, we would experience that more and more. It's the reason why the Apostle Paul, we read this uh, passage last week, but in, in the book of Philippians, it's why Paul could honestly, with integrity, write these words while sitting in a prison cell. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. He's not rejoicing because, yay, I'm in prison. No, he's rejoicing in where his strength comes from, Jesus Christ the one who loved him more than we can ask or imagine. Let's pray and be reminded of that gift. Will you join me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises of scripture. We thank you, God, that your word assures us that there is joy to be found. And Lord, I just want to take a moment for, for those of us who are experiencing a, a season where joy seems far away. Lord, would you break in this week, maybe this day, to remind us of the good news of Jesus Christ. And even just for a moment, experience some joy. Because our God loves us. And we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for us. May that empower us and encourage us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our Fusion community or how to support Hardawike Ministries, please visit us at hardawike.com.